This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since birth, season tickets since three blockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winner's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings. Driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. And Mr. Icon, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's Chris Sork alongside DLU as we look back at K-State's 31-21 win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. A game that K-State had to uh, have some fourth quarter uh, heroics in as K-State was able to come back using a big play offense down the stretch. A big pass to Briley Moore and a big pass to Deuce Vaughn seals the deal as K-State wins against the Texas Tech Raiders, moving themselves to 2-0 in a top, a tie for a top, I should say. The top. The, big, the top, the tippy top of the Big 12 standings. And, uh, Dealer, let's, uh, let's just get right to it here. K-State, um, in, in a game that we had kind of previewed last week, a game that really we were kind of, or at least I was, I don't want to speak for you, I know, I know we both picked K-State, but a matchup that uh, was a little bit tricky for K-State, especially coming off the road uh, against a, a, an Oklahoma game that was a big-time uh, come from behind when you knew that K-State would be ready to take on the Red Raiders. You just didn't know quite exactly uh, with the injury concerns that K-State had. And, you know, they take some more injury concerns after that game against Texas Tech. But you knew it was going to be a tough matchup for K-State. And and uh, K-State was able to uh, make the plays down the stretch uh, to be able to uh, hold off the Red Raiders and, and get another one in the win column. Yeah, it looked a little grim there for a little bit. Well, it started off... Pretty darn encouraging. Uh, K-State was moving the ball fairly well. They were uh, kind of haranguing uh, the the Texas Tech offense, and he thought, okay, this is going well so far. And then K-State's offers, offense starts sputtering out. Uh, Bowman exits the game, then Thompson exits the game, and all of a sudden K-State's having to rely on uh, a freshman quarterback, uh, Will Howard, making really his – uh, debut in a, in a tight game. I know he played a little bit against uh, Arkansas State, but uh, it, it looked a little grim there in the third quarter when K-State's defense started leaking a little bit and uh, the Will Howard-led offense wasn't uh, lighting up the scoreboard, but K-State found a way on the back of, like you said, big plays for the second consecutive week uh, and found a way to win. And so far in these last two weeks, that's that's kind of been the story for the Wildcats. That's that's well said. Um, let's kind of just get hop right into the game here, uh, D'Lu. K State gets off to a great start, uh, moving the ball down uh, the field on the on the Red Raiders on the first drive. Somewhat of a curious, um, somewhat of a curious play call there on on a uh, what was going to be well within a well within the range for Jake or. Um, for Blake Lynch, rather, uh, on a on a field goal attempt, but they decide to go and run a little trickeration here and run a fake field goal, 
stymied there. Uh, but K-State gets the ball back the next possession and uh, off of a short field due to, once again, yet another great special teams play. Yeah. Um, you know, on that fake field goal, I, I was a little surprised by it. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm so entrenched in years of Bill Snyder football where I can't remember the last time we ran a fake field goal. Um, but it, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. And so it caught me off guard, uh, but didn't quite catch Texas Tech off guard. Uh, this week, on I believe it was the teleconference, uh, Kleiman commented that that play was one block away from going for a touchdown. But, uh, I, you know, I haven't reviewed the all 22 of that play, but it, it didn't look like it was very close uh, to me. It, it looked uh, like... Texas Tech had that one pretty well sniffed out. But uh, regardless, uh, K-State found a way to uh, get the ball back. Yeah, so K-State, the defense really was the story of the of the game, really, in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, you, you look at what happened there at the end uh, where the offense made the plays down the stretch uh, to get K-State to, to get uh, K-State back ahead and then really to, uh, to ice the game out. Uh, with a big play to Deuce Vaughn, but you know the defense—it's it, a little bit of the same of the same story with K State, a bend but don't break, uh, you know, kind of effort really. When you look at the the stats from this game, uh, Texas Tech ran for 204 yards, threw for 267, uh, so rolling up, you know, 471 yards of offense. If you say that going in. You think that this is a probably looking great for K State uh, that that Texas Tech is able to to move up and down uh, the field as well as they did, but they got to Allen Bowman and they were able to uh, knock him out of the game um, early. And Henry uh, Columbia came in and I thought he played pretty darn well uh, as far as um, as far as Texas Tech was concerned there in uh, in the relief of Allen Bowman. So K State. Able to able to uh, knock out Bowman early in the game, and you thought, man, well, let's see what let's see what uh, the backup gets to do. Well, K State had to kind of solve that same issue uh, here a little bit later on with uh, Will Howard coming into the action. But defense uh, really throughout did a good job of, of making plays on third down and and getting K State off the field, holding Texas Tech scoreless for the first half. Yeah, and uh, broke a long, long streak of of. Uh, halves that Texas Tech had scored in. Uh, I I forget what it was, but it's been something like eight or nine years since Tech had gone scoreless in the first half. And so impressive job there, again, by Klanderman. Uh, putting together a game plan. Um, well, the benefit, the beneficiary of, of a little bit of luck knocking Alan Bowman out. Uh, and maybe a questionable uh, hit there by uh, the baller, uh, Cleet Duke. But credit again to to Klanderman for putting together a game plan. You know, like like you said, you see 470 yards and you think, oh, that's problematic. But coming into this game, if you say K State's going to give up 470 yards, you're thinking, well, probably so. I mean, it's it's still Texas Tech. They still, I mean, they put up close to 60 points against Texas uh, a week ago. Um, so. With Tech, it's they're going to get their point. They're going to get their yards, and they're going to get points too. Uh, but limiting Texas Tech to only 21 points is is no small task. And I'll be surprised if 
there's very many games this year where, where Tech is limited like that. First time since since uh, Texas Tech played Oklahoma State back in 2011 where uh, the Red Raiders were held scoreless in the first half. So uh, kudos to uh, the defense as they uh, – a little bit of a makeshift, makeshift defense there back in the secondary, uh, still getting some guys – you know, with limited experience, but uh, they're growing up right before our eyes back there. Uh, thoughts? Um, well, let's talk about one of those guys who kind of grew up before our eyes, and that's uh, the headhunter, uh, Tajiri Smith. Yeah, TJ Smith, he popped off the film uh, when I was all reviewing the All-22 as a guy not only that is out there flying around, but out there making plays and, and uh, you know, doing it with reckless abandon. You, you had to love what you had to see from him. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple times where uh, you're you're worried that he's going to get ejected from the game just because he's he's hitting people so hard. Uh, but I expect him to rein that in. I think a lot of that's probably uh, just pure adrenaline for a young guy who's getting his first real action. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came on, and boy, did he make a name for himself uh, there in the second half on Saturday, and did a pretty good job. I mean, obviously you you can't be uh um you know, getting penalties and uh, you know, just purely headhunting and subject yourself to object, uh, ejection, but if that's a guy who came in and played with his head on fire uh in the second half there and you know, he's he's going to make mistakes and but he's going to make them at 110%. Yeah, and you love to see that, uh, especially from a young guy, because a lot of the time out there, you know, young guys get out there and they, they're they tentative, they, they're not lined up correctly, they don't know where they're supposed to be doing it. And, and they're, they're scared of making a mistake. Yeah, they're scared of making a mistake, and K-State's, to, not only to T.J. Smith's credit, but really for a lot of these guys that either are, are true freshmen or are seeing their re- real first meaningful action, they've been able to come in and fly around and make those plays with with that type of reckless abandon that you have to have uh, defending these high-octane offenses. So credit not only to uh, the players that are out there doing it, but credit to the coaching staff for getting these guys ready to play. Yeah, four four tackles for T.J. Smith. Three of those were solo. So a good job by him on the back end. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we saw in the third quarter um, because, you know, Texas Tech, especially in the third quarter, uh, they were really running the football. And through through the first two games, and especially in the Oklahoma game, well, almost exclusively in the Oklahoma game, uh, I was really impressed with the front seven. I thought the front four did a good job, uh, and the linebacking was adequate at worst, but they played really well in the Oklahoma game. But I was a little unimpressed with um, with Hughes and uh, Sullivan on Saturday just because, man, they were getting gashed. And I don't know whether that's a product of the offensive line just dominating our front four and opening up big holes that are hard to fill or whether it's linebackers being out of position or, or not finishing tackles or maybe a combination of both. But uh, I was... But the linebacking was pretty concerning on Saturday. Well, I think some of that has to do a little bit with Texas Tech having a lot of the ball in the third quarter. Uh, 
kicking off the second half with an 18-play, 88-yard drive that took up nearly seven minutes of of time. I don't know if Texas Tech has ever had a drive that results results in a touchdown that takes seven minutes. I think that's almost uh, unheard of uh, down there in Raiderland. But you know, as I think about it, it's not. It, that's a tricky spot for linebackers to be in against that Texas Tech offense because. What you saw with, on Saturday was a lot of that RPO handoff or throw uh, in a seam towards the middle of the field, and mm-hmm. that just picks apart linebackers mm-hmm. because they don't know whether they need to step up and fill the gap or drop in coverage, and it really puts them on roller skates. And so uh, maybe it was just a tough day, a tough offense for them to defend because they're really the focal point. Yeah, the the linebackers get put in tough positions in, in any sort of RPO uh, defensive situations, uh, that that needs really no further explanation. When you have to one key on key on the running back, key on the quarterback, and and also not let your eyes get too much of the best of you because there comes the tight end or the slot man right behind you, uh, you know down the seam. However, you know K State has some very experienced linebackers that have gotten to play quite a bit of football with. Uh, Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes. I don't know if there are a pair of linebackers anywhere in the conference that uh, have that sort of uh, experience and have that sort of um, kind of pedigree, really. With that being said, I think that it wasn't one of their best games, as you mentioned, and they're not going to get much of a break as they're going to see a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same actions, not only just this week against Texas Christian, but uh, throughout the rest of the conference schedule. Yeah, so put your working boots on, boys, because uh, there's more where that came from. But uh, I don't want to say they got exposed on Saturday at all, but for a unit that has that we, coming into the season you felt was pretty solid uh, with Sullivan and Hughes back there, uh, I feel like they got they did get picked on a little bit on Saturday, especially in the third third. Well, just especially in the second half. Well, let's uh, let's kind of transition here a, a touch here to the offensive side of the football. Um, Let's just lead off with the headliner, Deuce Vaughn. He's really good. Another amazing game from from him where K-State needed every bit of it. And I'll, I'll read you his line, 16 carries for 113 yards, three receptions uh, for 81 yards, a touchdown receiving, as well as a touchdown rushing. So really when you look at it uh, – the legend continues to grow for Deuce Vaughn as he is going to be not only etching his name all throughout uh, K-State's record books uh, for freshmen, but you know, you're going to see, uh, I, I think it's, well, I shouldn't say it's safe to say, but I think it's widely held uh, belief by many that uh, you're going to see his name up and down the all-time uh, record book if he continues uh, to progress like we, we think and we hope that he will. Well, if he continues to progress like uh, like he's progressed so far, he's uh, going to be Barry Sanders by the end of his sophomore year um, because he, right now he is unbelievable. Um, the most impressive in his season, and really just two or three games so far, of impressive plays, uh, I think his most impressive play of his young career came on Saturday on that uh, 22-yard touchdown run he had where he goes out uh, in looks like just basically a stretch uh, zone blocking scheme, 
but gets way far out to the outside, and you're thinking he's probably not going to be able to turn the corner, but he's going to get four or five yards. Mm -hmm. But he outruns a guy to the sideline and then turns it upfield, and that sort of speed is really rare uh, out of a running back to to just get out wide enough and not be run out of bounds and have the the really the balance to stay in. Yeah. Um, and so that so far I think isn't certainly not his longest play from scrimmage, not even his second longest, but it's uh, I think the most impressive run he's had. No question, it was a uh, it, it wasn't necessarily something that was well blocked. I know you're probably thinking of the OU game where he had uh, a little bit longer of a touchdown run, but that was really just a kind of a straight shot for him there, and, and he could run right towards the pylon. This one you saw any any of our running backs score a touchdown on that play probably yeah on yeah. the play against OU, but not many running backs uh, anywhere score. Eh, I should say not anywhere necessarily, but I don't know if any of our running backs score on, on that play that he uh, that he exhibited against Texas Tech. No, I mean there's that old phrase running backs are a dime a dozen. Um, that it's it's a position that isn't uh, it's really fungible from guy to guy. Um, and but there's five percent at the top and five percent at the bottom, where it really makes a difference. And I think right now, Deuce Vaughn is already in that five percent at the top, where he's he is a complete difference maker when he has the ball. Um, and for being that good this early, it's just incredible. Um, you know, I think it's it's hard to say that he's not the best player we have on offense right now. I mean, oh, that, I and, that, and that include that includes even when Skyler was on the field and healthy on Saturday. No, I don't think there's a question about um, it. And he's, so he's he's by far the most explosive playmaker that I think K State's had since Tyler Lockett. Do, we, do you have anything? No, that you I want to disagree with that. No, I, I think that that's true. I mean, it's it's hard because you, or at least I want to be really careful about. Uh, having these lofty expectations this early in his career. I mean, the sample size is small. Sure. Um, but, it, so I'm, I'm trying to be reserved in saying that this guy is going to be uh, future All-American or future even first-team All-Big 12 because not many people are those things. But put it this way, he could not have a better season so far through three games. I mean, that's that's... You do not see freshman running backs um, come in and have this kind of start very often at all. And so very high hopes for him uh, moving forward and even just this season because he is going to be a difference maker in games for us, and he already has been in two. Yep, no question about it. So let's uh, – we could sing Deuce Vaughn's praises through uh, an entirety of, of the podcast, but let's uh, let's transition here a little bit now to uh, the quarterback position. Obviously, Skylar Thompson uh, gets the start against uh, Texas Tech. Um, is playing pretty well through the first uh, quarter and a half and then leaves with an, an apparent – I you know, for all the world, looked like to me a collarbone. Being a Dallas Cowboys fan, I've seen – uh, Tony Romo go down on kind of a similar type hit uh, where, you know, they have to bring out the medical uh, staff to, to diagnose. and it, it had kind of that feel to me that it looked like a collarbone originally. Apparently it's not. Uh, x-rays came back negative, so that's that's a good sign uh, during uh, some media availability uh, throughout the week. Kleiman's leaving the possibility of 
of Thompson being able to come back and, and to play this week against. Now we're not buying that, right? Um, you th- that's got it. I mean, he's blown smoke. Yeah, I, I don't. I would be shocked if he does. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked necessarily if I would be shocked if he's playing quarterback this week. I wouldn't be shocked if he. I, I would be. I would say I will be shocked if he gets the start. If Howard is out there and he is either gets dinged up or is ineffective, I, I would be pretty surprised if they were to go with Skylar Thompson. But I. I wouldn't be shocked if he plays. Um, be surprised, not shocked. Yeah, I I don't know what the difference necessarily in in the, no, I, the, I the threshold between shocked and surprises, but I, I think the fact that he left it open and the fact that uh, X rays came back negative gives him a chance. Um, granted, well, it could and that's be, kind of a weird thing where X rays come back negative and it's a positive thing. Yeah, it that's is, kind of crazy, man. Yeah, it kind of is in some ways, huh? Huh? Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I would be it, it, as a as somebody that uh, you know can kind of look at the injury, think about where K State is at this point, I think the the money you'd want to you'd want to put is that uh, that uh, Will Howard uh, gets the first snap and probably takes the last snap for K State uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think this week I, I expect this week to be the Will Howard uh, show, um, and it'll be interesting because you know. Howard came in, and I was pretty impressed with what he did. Uh, he managed the game pretty well. They they weren't drawing up all – they weren't putting a ton on his shoulders, but he did throw 12 passes in uh, uh, through two and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. And so they, they weren't uh, completely hiding him, and he, and he threw those passes when K-State needed the offense to go. And, you know, he went 7 of 12 for 173 yards uh, with a touchdown. So – an impressive stat line, and it made even more impressive when you consider that two of those passes uh, were dropped, at least two that I recall, uh, one by uh, Landry Weber and the other one by Deuce Vaughn, which neither of those were great passes, and even his touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn wasn't, uh, you know, the stuff of legends, but was putting the ball in spots where the receivers could catch him, didn't really make any glaring mistakes, Nope. Um, and I think that's that's half the battle right there because uh, you know he kind of took the opposite approach of to, of Tajiri Smith, uh, who wasn't was flying around like yeah. his hair was on fire. But uh, Howard, I thought, was a pretty measured performance. Um, there was one play in particular where he drops back, nobody's open. Um, probably could have hung in there a little bit longer. But took it, tucked it, and ran, and uh, didn't see anybody open, and and ended up getting brought down, uh, either for a sack or a short gain, but basically a neutral play. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm glad he didn't force it anywhere. Uh, that's a good sign. But you didn't really see him uh, make any passes stretching the field at all on Saturday. Uh, we know he has a big arm. Um, and maybe we'll see some of that against TCU this week. But overall, I thought it was a fine performance uh, for a true freshman. Or is he redshirt? Will Howard? Yeah. Uh, he's a true. So there you go. Uh, so for a guy that young to come in into a tough spot and put into a tougher spot once the defense started leaking, uh, I thought he did a great job. And, uh, you know, we'll see what we get against TCU. Uh, all that said... The, the people that wanted to turn the reins over to Will Howard right now, I think um, 
I think it's clear that they were wrong uh, on Saturday, on Saturday because he's not right now. He's not better than Skylar Thompson. Yep, I don't. I don't I mean, at least that. what we saw on Saturday, uh, and given Thompson's season so far, so no question. Uh, I think the offense is clearly worse with Will Howard, but still, um, you know, we got enough playmakers around him. Briley Moore, huge, huge play for him on Saturday. Huge that play. long catch and run. Yeah. Um, even just staying in bounds, that was phenomenal uh, as he's tiptoeing down the sideline. But so I think that there's a few. Uh, Enough skilled players around Tom or around Howard that we can kind of cover up some of his inexperience and and right now uh, whatever talent deficiencies he might have uh, by just getting guys like Deuce and uh, Briley Moore involved and man maybe Malik Knowles will uh, make a difference this week but he's been awful silent. Uh, for K-State's offense so far. Yeah, two guys that that I think K-State fans thought going into the season would be big-time difference makers on the offensive side of the ball were Josh Youngblood and Malik Knowles. And really, that hasn't quite happened yet so far. I mean, Malik Knowles had a uh, big-time catch uh, against Arkansas State that made all the highlight reels. But, other than really, that, but even in that catch, though, I mean, if you go back and look at it, he probably didn't – that catch didn't need to be that hard. Well, I think some of that had to do it wasn't a great throw, but well, maybe, but you know, I've going back and looking at the play and kind of watching it, it's uh, Malik Knowles kind of stops and then he's in a position where he has to make this jumping catch when he's faced total when he's facing uh, Skyler, where it's like, man, if you just kept running, well, if you were three bit. yards further downfield, then you'd walk in for a touchdown. Sure, um, and so yeah, it was a. Beautiful catch under the circumstances, but it, it could have been a more effective play had he actually kept running. Uh, but, man, once if, if he can find a way to get involved in the offense, then I think that makes uh, an offense filled with, uh, you know, playmakers so far. Yeah, lots of options. Yeah. yeah. And let's let's continue here as we're, we're breaking down uh, the 31-21 win over Texas Tech. After halftime, uh, you, you you wondered what K-State was going to look like offensively. You wondered what Texas Tech was going to look like offensively, too, with uh, Columbia in there at quarterback. As I mentioned, Texas Tech takes up, you know, half of the uh, the first qu- or the third quarter on their first drive. K-State answers, goes down, kicks a field goal, uh, ha- extends their lead out to, tw- or out to 10, and Texas Tech comes right back. Uh, on four plays, much more Texas Tech-like drive, um, but maybe not the way you would you would expect it um, in terms of, of how they pay that touchdown off on a on a 49-yard uh, touchdown run there uh, by uh, Xavier White. K State kind of you kind of get into this, or at least I did, where I was like, man, are we going to be able to keep up? If if the defense isn't going to bow up, is the offense going to make enough plays? Because at this point, you thought we we're going to have to score 35 points or so to, to, to hold on here. And, you know, the offense kind of starts sputtering a little bit, and Texas Tech takes the lead uh, after another touchdown drive. And it's that big play to Briley Moore that K-State gets a big chunk of that yardage back and, and is able to pay it off uh, just with a, with a short uh, three-play 75-yard touchdown drive 66 of it coming on the on the pass to Briley Moore you know let's let's kind of go into not only just that the long play to Briley Moore but then the ensuing possession after K-State's able uh, 
to get an interception. Uh, Wyatt Hubert makes a big play getting around the end, disrupting uh, Columbia, and Jerome McPherson picks it off. K-State goes at three and out the next possession, and both teams exchange three and outs. K-State gets the ball back and backed up kind of in their deep in their own territory here with a, with a three-point lead uh, with 3.42 left to go in the game. We know that it's going to take a couple first downs here to ice this sucker. And instead of just icing this game out and, uh, you know, kneeing it out, K-State's able to, to score on, on a big play to Deuce Vaughn, which has gotten a lot of attention. But I think the biggest play in that drive is on third and four. Texas Tech is, uh, at this point, they have one timeout uh, left. Or, excuse me, they have two timeouts left. So you don't want to give them the ball back with too much time. But at this point, you know, time's really not the the factor that you're playing against. You just will have to pick up the first down to keep the ball. And K-State on a third and four, they trust the freshman to uh, to pick it up through the air. And he finds uh, Shabazzan Taylor for a nice little seven-yard stick route uh, right over there in front of the Texas Tech bench. Uh, that keeps the chains moving for K-State. As K- if K-State doesn't convert that, I think it's an entirely different game, uh, giving the ball back to Texas Tech there. But you have to give, one, Will Howard a lot of credit for, for staying calm, but you also have to give a ton of credit uh, to the mess and to uh, the offensive staff here for saying, knowing the situation and trusting uh, their playmakers and, and their quarterback uh, to convert on a big third down. Well, in the that's a great point, giving credit to mess there, because if – Think if Snyder was in that position. Third and four, it's not do or die, but it's if you if you do not get it, you're giving Tech the ball back with a chance to take the game-winning t- score. Yeah, with two timeouts and, and gobs of time. And under Snyder and uh, Dimmel, what play's coming? Well, I would have to say it's going to be one of two plays. It's, it's going to be probably either a quarterback draw or an option play. Maybe to the short side. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are those? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I was thinking definitely. It's either going to be. I, I was going to say quarterback power is probably. Yeah, the that's what I. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Quarterback powers is going to be the most likely call in that situation. Other than that, uh, line up in the pistol and run an option. Odds uh, are. But you, we've seen this with Messingham uh, because we were in a similar position against OU, where it was late in the game. First down seals it. Uh, but you, you, you don't want to throw an incomplete pass. You, you do not want the, stop to, the clock to stop and be punting with a stop clock on fourth down. Uh, but both times, uh, Kleiman and Messingham have, have put the ball in the quarterback's hands and said, we trust you to go out there and uh, pass the ball. And, and both times it's worked out. And so, uh, you know, the... the the play calling has had some stones so far in these tough uh, late game situations where the question is, do we take a, do we do what it takes to get the first down or do we, uh, do we run the ball to either eat a timeout or keep the clock running? Um, and so credit, credit to Messingham and credit to both Skylar Thompson for getting it done against OU and Will Howard for getting it done uh, against Texas Tech on Saturday. And also, it's interesting that in these situations, I believe it was Briley Moore who caught the pass against Oklahoma, but I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, Shabazz and Taylor 
um, again, being the favorite target for the quarterbacks this season from the wide receiver spot. And, you know, he has that the body type and he has the physique to really go out there and be that possession wide receiver that K-State, you know, hasn't really had in a while. I mean, I guess Pringle, you could say he was fits the bill in terms of just the physicality, but he's really more of a down-the-field down kind of guy. Yeah, the – the most recent comparison I can think of is a guy like Chris Harper, mm-hmm. who can just go out there and kind of out-physical some of these cornerbacks uh, in this conference. Um, but huge credit uh, to all three, including Messingham, uh, Howard, and Taylor on that play, because that was really the one that put uh, K-State in business and really put the pressure on Texas Tech. Yep, absolutely. So let's let's talk about the, uh, the big play, 70 yards to Deuce Vaughn on third and five. Uh, at this point, it's another situation. Yep. Texas Tech's exhausted all of their timeouts. Maybe the smart thing to do is run the ball, give it back to Texas Tech with, you know, a minute 10, minute 20 left, uh, hopefully get a nice punt, kick, pin them down inside their 20, and say, all right, defense, hold them out of the end zone. Uh, hold them out of field goal range so that we can get out of here and uh, with, a, with a victory here. But No. We, it became very obvious that we were not going to be running the ball when we go five wide. And then it, it's funny, if you see that play uh, from the high-angle cam, when they have Deuce Vaughn in the slot on the linebacker for Texas Tech, the Texas Tech linebacker wants no part of this. No, he, he's sweating. He's sweating. He's very uncomfortable. He, oh, he please gets, be a draw. Please he, be a draw. He, please he, be a draw. He, he presses up against Vaughn, steps back. Then he, then, he, then, he, then he presses up a little bit again. He doesn't really know exactly where he needs to be positioned or, or what's going to happen. And really, quite frankly, it's, it's the same type of option route uh, that uh, Vaughn nearly scored on against Oklahoma that uh, he does score on here against Texas Tech, and that really ices this thing for K-State. Yeah, you got to go back and watch that, that poor uh, linebacker who's, who's kind of on an island on the slot against Deuce Vaughn because – um, if, if you watch the other two receivers on that, I believe it was the field side, uh, they're running. That, that play is meant to go to Deuce Vaughn, yep. 100%. It's, I, I don't think there's really another option. I mean, no, there is. Everybody there. else is running jets, but uh, or they're really just clearing out the middle of the field for Deuce. And that's, but that's what we talked about last week, is that when you split him out, it creates some pretty awkward matchups mm-hmm. uh, for, for these linebackers who aren't used to having to – cover a guy like Deuce Vaughn in space. And maybe that's a problem with the defensive play called by going zero and just bringing the house against uh, Will Howard. I understand the rationale. He's a young quarterback and that you want to put some pressure on him uh, in that position to make what could be a tough throw under pressure on third down. But the throw to Deuce wasn't perfect. Uh, but yeah, a little bit behind him, but Deuce reels it in, does a little 360 and gets up field. And, and another beautiful part of that play uh, and I saw this, I believe it was on Inside Texas, uh, that message board, mm-hmm. during uh, Ian Boyd's uh, weekly write-up on the Big 12, which we recommend. Uh, but somebody mentioned that, that he looks like Darren Sproles, and that comparison's obvious. But he, the point he made is that downfield, when, he, uh, when a tech defender gets his hands on him and 
and Deuce lunges out of the tackle, basically. He's being pulled down from behind, but just lunges out of it and pushes through it. They said that it was vintage Sproles, and it, it really does look like that play against Nebraska mm-hmm. uh, back in 02 where Sproles was pulling that guy into the end zone. Just oh, sure. Oh, you're right, 03, excuse yes, me. Yes, but I, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, but that's a part of that play that I haven't really seen highlighted very much. It was right around the 50-yard line where he just powers through this tackle, and for a true freshman to have that kind of strength, um, you know, I've, we've said before that, you know, Deuce probably needs to put on 10 more pounds and, and just get a little stronger, but that play showed a lot of strength and speed, and that's just another – element of why he's really really good already absolutely I think that is the is the overall kind of that's the overall kind of synopsis on on where he's at as a player is one he should not be this good this early but he is and the other thing too that we we've talked about on here is that he has been not only lauded for obviously his game-breaking potential but what he's able to do in pass protection, knowing the offense, picking it up quickly, those are the kind of things that, you know, for a, a true freshman, not having really, I, I think K-State had maybe five or six spring practices before COVID shut him down, that, that's just such a rarity in and of itself that you have these guys um, able to come in and contribute immediately as freshmen. And I, I've said it again, credit to the players, but also – Credit to the coaching staff for getting these guys uh, available and ready to play uh, as true freshmen in what has been an abbreviated offseason. That's right. And and I think that it's going to be hard. I mean, there's a lot of grumbling across K-State Nation right now that Harry Trotter's getting too many touches. He, he doesn't have the, the talent that Deuce Vaughn has. But I, I don't know if, if Vaughn is at a point where he can be kind of an every-down back Um and so that's he's not going to get be getting thirty carries a game this season. That's just not going to happen. I, I can't imagine. He got sixteen on Saturday. Uh, Trotter got twelve. Um, you know, Jacardia Wright got three, and they were uh, one was a very good run. Um, I think it was maybe a gain of close to ten, maybe a little north of that. But uh, I would expect Wright to get more carries going forward as he kind of yeah, re- reorientates so. back into uh, 2021. Uh, but I think that the coaches like Trotter uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I think he does a good job blocking, and he's a steady set of hands uh, that they view him as and uh, is capable enough. I mean, he's one of those dime a dozen types that I think uh, can go through a hole and get upfield. But uh, I think K-State fans are just going to have to stomach seeing uh, Trotter get five, ten carries a game. Well, and I think a lot of the reasoning behind that is a lot of the time when K-State does kind of go the predictable route and run the ball on first down, it's a lot of the time it's to Harry Trotter, which is that's okay. Because the other thing, too, is it keeps guys like Deuce on fresher throughout the rest of the game. I would like to see at least half of Trotter's carries be going to Jakari Wright. I, I think that's not... I think that's what most K-State fans are hoping for. And I don't think that's necessarily out, out, of the, uh, out of the woodwork. But I think at this point in time, you know, there was some talk about Jacardi Wright uh, kind of coming in, uh, not r- really quite being uh, fully conditioned, ready to take on, t- take on a full load. 
And, you know, that's the great thing with this with this uh, offense and with the way they use the running backs is, you know, we're not going to have anyone have to take on a full load. But getting right back up to speed, I think you're going to see him get continue to get more carries and get in uh, into some of those more obvious running situations where um, on first down they, they use him to kind of carry the ball there. Because uh, I, I think I had read something that I want to say it was like 70% of K-State's 70 to 80% of K-State's runs on first down were handled by Harry Trotter uh, so far this season. Well, and that makes some sense because Trotter is the best blocking back we have. And so when on first down, it's not the worst thing in the world to have Trotter in there because it keeps defenses off balance a little bit if we do want to pass it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point, yeah, the first down runs are predictable, but as we saw against OU in the second half, K-State came out slinging on first down. Uh, and so if we can kind of have Trotter in there and be running on first down some, that'll keep defenses honest for when he's in there purely to pass block and, and do that well. Uh, but bottom line is, I think the gripes are understandable. Um, but on the other hand, you know, this isn't a great run-blocking offensive line, notwithstanding Deuce Vaughn getting in there and being able to create on his own. Uh, but in this offense, we're just there's the carries are going to be diverse. Yep. And right now, we only have three backs, really. And, you know, four if you count Tyler Burns, who has a few carries this season. Uh, and we got a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so that's just kind of the offensive philosophy. And until... We have backs in there. We until we have three backs in there who are more liable than Harry Trotter. He's going to get some carries. Yep, I, I think that's well said. So let's uh, let's close the book here on Texas Tech. Anything else you want to add before we uh, look on to uh, K State's matchup on Saturday against Texas Christian? Nope. Well, let's go ahead and uh, pivot here now to uh, K State's uh, Week Four matchup uh, with uh, Texas Christian. Big game here for K State. Uh, TCU coming off the win against ninth-ranked Texas on the uh, 40 Acres, a game that uh, TCU really led throughout. Uh, I believe Texas took a lead uh, late, but Texas uh, TCU was able to come back and uh, pull ahead of the Longhorns and not, relinqu- not relinquish that lead. When you think TCU, you think Gary Patterson, you think, st- you think talented wide receivers, but more than anything else, you think of – this is a tough defense that we're going to have to go up against. Uh, Gary brought the 4-2-5 to the Big 12, and you've seen several other teams, uh, K-State included, adopt that since. You look at this TCU team, they're led by uh, Max Duggan at quarterback, who uh, had missed the fir- or he did not start the game against Iowa State, was inserted uh, after halftime, I believe, in that game against Iowa State, where TCU uh, was close to coming off and, and pulling off that upset against against Iowa State, losing 37-34. But you look at this TCU team, and I won't say it's a vintage Gary Patterson team in terms of in terms of uh, their overall level of talent at the skill positions like they've had in the past. But this is a dangerous team, and it's a team that K State, uh, with a true freshman, uh, getting to uh, getting to break in here on the road. It's not necessarily an easy matchup going up against a, a, a well-coached defense like Coach Patterson's. Well, not at all, and that's why K-State finds himself as a nine-point underdog uh, in this matchup on Saturday. 
but yeah, K-State's defense is going to have its handful again. Uh, it's it's a TCU offense that's balanced, uh, especially when you have Max Duggan out there kind of running the ball. This he's he's a dual threat. I mean, on Saturday mm-hmm. against Texas, uh, Duggan ends up running for. 79 yards on 17 carries. And so he's going to, there's going to be a lot of plays where, uh, again, uh, the linebackers are going to have a hard time figuring out where exactly to be, whether to cover uh, in the middle of the field and drop back, or whether to focus in on a TCU's rushing attack. Uh, because Max Duggan is a sophomore now, is uh, provides a threat through the air and on the ground. Well, and the thing too is, you know, not only do they have a guy like Max Duggan uh, that is a dual threat. He now, when when you think TCU dual threat quarterbacks, you probably think of uh, Trevon Boykin, not as explosive as a runner as Boykin, but certainly a, a guy that you know, he's not going to maybe break the seventy yard touchdown like a Trevon Boykin could. Well, what he I don't know if it was seventy yards last year, but it was a he did have a huge <laughs> run against Case. Yeah. I, I I actually totally forgot about that. He really has shown kind of that progression that you like to see from a freshman quarterback to a sophomore quarterback. And he was a much ballyhooed recruit uh, coming out of Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, I know Iowa State and Iowa have to, uh, you know, maybe be kicking themselves a little bit for letting a talented signal caller like that get out of the state of Iowa. But a guy that is is really kind of coming into his own, it appears, uh, here in, the, in his uh, second season at the helm of the Frogs. So let's um, let's kind of transition here a little bit more to look at this TCU defense. When you think of when, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when you think of Gary Patterson, you think of a, a talented defense year in year out, and that's essentially what they've had. The thing that I always think about too with this defense is it's not only just you know you don't you're not going to have necessarily these big imposing defensive linemen, but when I think of a Gary Patterson defense, I think of guys that are just sleek out there flying around making tackles, and guys that are going to be aggressive and uh, hit you hard and hit you often. So when I think of what K-State's matchup has to be here against an aggressive TCU defense, I look to see K-State do what they've done a little bit earlier uh, so far this season, and it's being, it's being multiple, getting the ball out to different guys, not letting it, the, this TCU defense key on one certain aspect because if they're able to key in on, you know, whether if it's the run game or whether if it's, uh, you know, what you want to do, moving the ball out wide to, to wide receivers in the bubble screen game. But being multiple keeps this aggressive defense off their toes and also allows them to be a little bit less aggressive. Well, yeah, and when you have a, an inexperienced guy like Will Howard, that's hard to do because sure. you want to keep the game really simple for him. And so for the, I think a lot of this is going to come down to the mess and whether he can find a way to keep the TCU defense off balance without putting too much pressure on Will Howard to go out there and make some complicated reads that you wouldn't expect out of a freshman quarterback. So I think a lot of it's going to be Messingham anticipating uh, what the TCU defense is doing at any given point and making the, the game, while also keeping the game simple for Will Howard and not asking him to do too much at the line of scrimmage and even back in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another thing, too, is with K-State being – a little bit inexperienced and a little bit shorthanded at uh, the quarterback position as we head in here to uh, to the game against Texas Christian. 
one of K-State's things that has always been uh, kind of a, a staple of the program uh, under Bill Snyder and, of course, under Chris Kleiman as well is not beating yourself, not turning the ball over. Through three games this season, K-State has yet to have a turnover, and K-State is the only team in the nation so far that has played three games and has not recorded a turnover yet. So that's going to be another big thing. With a true freshman quarterback uh, making his first start, uh, presumably, with Will Howard, that is going to be of paramount importance to keep that streak going. And if if K-State wants to come out of Fort Worth and out of the stockyards there with a win, you're going to have to be positive in the turnover in, in the turnover bo- battle, forcing two or three and uh, keeping uh, the ball on your side and not giving TCU any short fields to work with. Well, and one nice thing about that is through two games, TCU only has two sacks. Um, you know, you think of TCU and dialing up some pretty exotic blitzes sometimes out of that four-two-five look, and, and so far against Iowa State and Texas, uh, they were able to record two sacks against Iowa State and none against Texas. So. You know, that, that plays to K-State's favor if they can keep uh, Will Howard uh, protected. Uh, obviously, limits sacks. You, you don't want negative plays first and foremost. But it also gives Will Howard, a young quarterback, uh, a chance to hopefully avoid pressure and to avoid making a mistake and hopefully keeping K-State's offense clean when it comes to turnovers. Well, that's that's always of paramount importance. And, and that gets ra- ratcheted up here a little bit uh, going on the road to uh, TCU. Let's look at some of the other playmakers uh, going around uh, the TCU offense. Uh, One name that K-State fans and college football fans may be a little bit familiar with is J.D. Spielman, uh, the transfer uh, from the University of Nebraska. When he transferred to to TCU, uh, he was Nebraska's best wide receiver uh, last year and and for a number of years, and he's he's had really a nice career. He's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on uh, for K-State, uh, an explosive guy that can um, hurt you both not only running the ball or, or catching the ball, but also running the ball as well. Uh, they get him the ball in a variety of different ways. So I would look for him to be a, a guy that K-State uh, keys on um, in TCU's offense, as well as uh, Kendra Miller, uh, the running back. He had a nice game against uh, Texas, uh, second-leading rusher behind uh, Max Duggan, uh, 10 carries for 60-70 yards. You know, this TCU team, they're, they're similar in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the same respect a little bit as, um, as K-State is in terms of using a lot of different playmakers uh, to, get, to get it done on the ground. Uh, between Kendra Miller, uh, Darwin Barlow, Tay Barber, they've got guys that are going to be out there. Uh, you're going to kind of see a laundry list of those those options uh, coming out of the backfield for TCU. And don't forget about the tall freshman, uh, Quentin Johnson. Uh, five catches this year uh, for 120 yards. So that's a guy who, uh, when the ball gets in his hand, he doesn't uh, make he makes the most of it, I should say. Uh, and 50 of those on two receptions against Iowa State. Three receptions for 70 yards against Texas. So uh, you want to keep the ball out of his hands, and that's a tall order for a tall man. Well, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and get our predictions out here uh, for this uh, matchup between K-State and Texas Christian. d you mentioned earlier K-State is sitting as a nine-point underdog in this one. Maybe a little surprising, uh, but with the uncertainty surrounding Will Howard and uh, with TCU coming off a big win over Texas, 
you can kind of see where that number might come into uh, come into play there. How do you see this game breaking out between the Wildcats and the Horned Frogs? You know, I think part of me thinks that uh, that this K State team is just going to find a way to get it done. Uh, I've I've been really impressed with the team over the last two weeks and just doing that, hanging in there and sticking it out and, and finding big plays when you need to find big plays. But, uh, you know, I think for Will Howard, it's a tall ask to come out and uh, get it done against a TCU defense that is a TCU defense and is going to do TCU defense things. But, you know, I mean, they've allowed 30 points in both the games they've played yeah. this year. It's it's not like this is the 2014 uh, TCU defense that's – or the Rose Bowl defense that is just going to lock you down. So I think it's an opportunity for Howard to come out against a a solid defense and and make it have a nice day. Uh, But, you know, I I just don't see it happening this week for K-State. And that's only because I think it's going to be hard for K-State to do anything on the ground. I I think Howard uh, doesn't provide the same running threat or ability that Thompson has so far. Uh, I thought Howard played well against Texas Tech, but I wasn't too impressed with what he did uh, in the run game. And I think that uh, that's going to allow the TCU defense to really key on Deuce Vaughn and just try to keep him out of the game. Now, that said, if if Malik Knowles and Youngblood uh, make, uh, you know, come out and really have a nice game for the first time in 2020, uh, that can make a difference. Uh, But I think K-State's offense is going to have a – a hard time moving the ball well, uh, as well as it needs to against this TCU defense. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, I think again this is a this is a day where it's going to come down to how good K State's linebackers can be in space. Uh, TCU has a very good rushing attack uh, led by Max Duggan doing a lot of it himself, and that puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers uh, to focus on both him and whoever's playing running back for TCU. Um, but he came out and threw 30 passes as well on Saturday. And so uh, I think it's – you mentioned K-State's a very multiple team on offense, but I think TCU is as well. Um, I don't like this matchup for K-State. Uh, I like it a little better than I think the spread indicates. Uh, but I think I think TCU comes out and wins this one by about a touchdown. Goodbye by the touchdown. So K-State keeps it under the number but falls short – High scoring, low scoring, kind of right in the middle. I think it's probably uh, right in the middle. I think it's a 31, 24, uh, 28, 21, somewhere right in there. Okay. I, I see the game very similarly to you. Uh, I think this is just maybe a little bit too tall a task for, for a K-State team uh, that is going to be presumably breaking in a true freshman on the road. Granted, it's not a normal road environment. No, I mean, you're not going to have 50,000 people there. I don't think TCU draws 50,000 people in their games anyway. But I don't think their stadium's 50,000 people. Well, maybe it's not. So it would be pretty hard to draw 50,000 people there yeah. if you only have uh, you know, capacity of 48 or, or whatever the case is. But I do think K-State has the opportunity here. I don't, I don't think TCU's necessarily you know, a juggernaut or a Goliath of, of the conference, but this is a tough game for K-State, tough matchup going up against – uh, a coach I have a lot of respect for in Gary Patterson. I think this is going to be just a too tough of a matchup, too tough of an ask for Will Howard to go on the road and uh, pull off uh, an upset here against the Frogs. I'm going ahead and picking TCU by the score of 28 
to 14. Oh, so you think TCU does cover the number? I think they do. I think K-State's going to really have some issues moving the ball. Uh, but you know what? I've been wrong before. I'd gladly be wrong again. Well, maybe this is the week that Sammy Wheeler finally uh, takes over the game. You know, um, Sammy Wheeler had himself a nice little catch against uh, against Texas Tech, if memory does serve me correctly. I think um, he is uh, kind of creeping his way into uh, the, the circle here uh, of getting talked about like he should. Yeah, it's a sleeping giant. Uh, but hopefully Mess proves us wrong once again and uh, can find ways to, to get some of these weapons uh, orientated and get uh, Will Howard the ball, uh, able to get the ball to him. I, I uh, retract. Sammy Willard did not have a catch against uh, Texas Tech. He, he had a catch he, against Oklahoma. He had a really nice catch against Oklahoma. And, you know, all of all of his future catches, they all kind of start running together for me of, like, yeah. what's going to be going on here. But I, I, I'm very high on Sammy Wheeler, and, you know, maybe look for him to have a nice game. Yeah, maybe maybe our listeners should start being high on Sammy Wheeler, too. They should be. They should be. Well, that uh, does it here for the Texas Tech review portion and the Texas Christian preview portion of the Short Side Option podcast. Uh, just, a, just a reminder, folks, K-State takes on TCU. Uh, game comes at... Come, game comes at you live on uh, FS1, 3 o'clock, with Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman on the call. Dilo, that does it here for uh, the Texas Tech Review, Texas Christian Preview. Lots of Texas going on here in this, in this uh, podcast. So that'll uh, take us here to a break where you'll be back to give us another in the long line of Wildcat Legends and ask some questions in this week's Ask the Icon. Back after this. Short side option podcast here. Uh, I am Dilu. I'm sitting right next to the con man. Good to be here. Uh, and Mr. Icon, I'd uh, like to ring in a new uh, a segment, if I may. By all means. Uh, this segment is called uh, This Week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend is a 6'3". 254-pound young man. He's from Dodge City, Kansas. Cowboy country. Get the heck into Dodge. That's right. Um, I'll take you you around a little bit, share some of his bio, and see if you can get this. All right? Okay. This is always my favorite part of the week. All right. I'll I'll, I'll start off by saying... Don't make it easy. Don't give it away on the first one. Yeah. He was a three-star rated prospect by Rivals and Scout. And the 10th best player in the state of Kansas uh, by rivals. It's high praise. Uh, he played tight end and middle linebacker at Dodge City. He earned 2009 All-6A honors from the Wichita Eagle, the Topeka Capital Journal, and the Kansas Football Coaches Association. Do you have any uh, guesses so far? No guesses yet. He played baseball for the Red Demons out in Dodge. Oh, baseball man. Yeah. You like baseball. I do. Uh, not liking baseball so much right now as the Yankees just gave up another run, 8-2 to two now. I'll That's not great. In 2010, he redshirted. Okay. That was his true freshman year. That, that was my true freshman year at Kansas State. Yeah. Um, he appear- In 2011, he appeared in the first eight games of the season as a reserve defensive end and also on some special teams. Okay. Um, any guesses so far? Yeah, I think I might have this one. Who? Well, let me give you one more. Okay. Tip. Well, let me just. Make well, who sure. do you think? Gosh, 
Dodge City, three-star prospect, uh, would have been in that 2000. Just go ahead, give me the next kid, just so I, I have an I, I have maybe a little bit better conviction in my guess. All right. His uh, his parents' names are Kelly and Roxanne, and his middle name is Casper. Got to be Leighton Dowling. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know Kelly and uh, you know Mr. and Mrs. Dowling really well. Oh, I, I call them, uh, you know, Kelly and Roxanne. But I Oh, mean, that's cool. Yeah, you know. No, Leighton Dowling. Uh, you know, he was on some pretty good teams for K-State. As I mentioned, he uh, was a reserve defensive end his uh, redshirt freshman season and got in on some special teams. Uh, in 2012, uh, he played in seven games, uh, again, mainly on special teams, but was the up man in kickoff returns. And he actually gained 19 yards on uh, on two kickoff returns uh, for that uh, 2012 uh, unit for K-State. 2013, he played in all 13 games. Uh, he got three tackles that year, and two and a half of those uh, were for a loss. And he had an eight-yard sack at Texas Tech uh, in that 2013 affair in Lubbock. Uh, he also had a tackle for a loss against UMass and a half tackle for a loss against Kansas that season. Uh, and then 2014, again, played in all 13. Uh, again, on special teams, he got a tackle against UTEP and recur- returned a kickoff for four yards as an up man uh, in the game against uh, Baylor and Waco that year. Okay, that was a big game. College game day was there. Yeah, uh, and, you know, this is a guy who just had saw a lot of winning over his five years at K-State. He helped the 2014 senior class to finish with a 38 and 14 combined record over his uh, previous four years, including a Big 12 best 27 and nine conference record for the Wildcats. And you know what? He happened to be second team academic All Big 12, majoring in secondary education. Uh, so you know, being a leader on the special teams unit and mentoring the future leaders of tomorrow for Kansas State. You, you know, you love to see that. Uh, he really embodied uh, what it means to be a student athlete. And, you know, when I think of that, what that fully embodies, I think no further than Leighton Dowling. That's right. And listeners, I think the icon summed it up perfectly there, um, why Leighton Dowling is this week's Wildcat legend. We're going to go ahead and get into our final segment on the show, uh, a segment we, we like to call Ask the Icon, where our listeners can ask the short side options' very own Chris the Icon Sork uh, whatever question they want to do. Whatever whatever they want to ask, he'll answer. Uh, sometimes they're about football or, or, or basketball or, or sports in general. Other times they're kind of silly and, and, yeah, there are some and kind of the lighter side of yeah, life. Which, hey, that's what, that's what we're here for. But listeners can tweet those questions uh, to us at our uh Twitter account, which is at TSSO underscore uh, podcast. I almost said TSSO underscore icon. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> which would have been, which, don't get any ideas, Mr. Icon. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, no ideas given. Or by using the hashtag AskTheIcon on Twitter, or by texting them to us, or by renting a, uh, paying an airplane, uh, a pilot, rather, to um, fly an airplane banner over our places of business, our houses or apartments or, or wherever we might be passing through. Uh, but if you're going to do that, uh, I would encourage you to do it somewhere in the Kansas City metropolitan area because that is where we live. That, that is where we reside. Uh, our first question this week comes from listener Steve Z. Uh, and Steve Z has a pair of questions for the icon. 
And mm-hmm. he he first he always asked, does a good job too. Yeah, and his he first question always does. He does a great job. Uh, his first question is, uh, what is Coach Kleiman's favorite non-sports podcast? Now I know that's a kind of a tough question for you because you're so focused in on sports and watching videos about sports and, and podcasts and listening to podcasts about sports. Did do you get a chance to listen to much non-sports related podcasts? I don't have a moment to spare in terms of my consumption of sports videos about sports podcasts about sports i i don't have a t- i don't really have time to to get out to do much else so it makes it a little difficult but you know if i was to guess chris Kleiman seems like a joe rogan kind of guy that's, yeah maybe so. so what's that is it call her daddy call him daddy what's that one on barstool that the the raunchy one yeah the one uh, that that's uh the perverted one call her daddy now one of my favorite guys on barstool uh tommy smokes he's launched a rival podcast uh called call him mommy <laughs> so uh maybe chris climbs into that too you never can't tell yeah you never can't tell um his second question steve's second question is what would chris vaughn's nickname be if it wasn't deuce and maybe people aren't aware that his name... Is, I, I think he already has another nickname, doesn't he? Well, I know uh, that Gus Johnson kind of gave him a nickname. The Sandblaster, right? Yeah. That's kind of a cool nickname. Well, and that's... It's a really cool nickname, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I forget that, that's, that Deuce isn't his Christian name. It's, uh, it's Chris. Kind of like you. So, yeah. Yeah, Sandblaster is... Sandblaster is a good one. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Deuce really fits because I mean, you know, Deuce McAllister is is the one you always think of when you know you think of running backs named Deuce. But uh, yeah, you know, Deuce fits him great. You know, obviously wearing twenty two double Deuce, that works out well too for him. So uh, Deuce really fits. But you know, Sandblaster does kind of have a. Uh, have kind of a, a nice little ring to it. You know, the jitterbug. Uh, you know, I, I know Ian Boyd has, has almost, I think, handed the the, the trophy, the much... Uh, I think it's Waterbug. Waterbug. The Darren Sproul's Waterbug. Water the best little person. Yeah. I think he might have been hand, have already handed that away to Deuce Vaughn. But jitterbug, Waterbug, I think there's a couple other options there too as well. And uh, breaking news... I, Excuse me, we're doing the Ask the Icon here on this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. But as I'm rereading our questions, uh, point of clarification from listener Mahomes2020 at KSU underscore funny33. He was a great listener. Uh, he points out that last week's Wildcat legend, Peyton Kirk, no longer coaches the Scotties. Uh, so we just want to make that clear for the record. Yeah, and, you know, I, I took the time to uh, go ahead and respond to that. You know, we're always looking to improve. And we that's keep, goal number four, baby. That's right, and we keep that near and dear. So that's a good job by him, and it will be a better job in the future by us. Uh, next question comes from listener Tyler H. at TH8 underscore. Tyler asks, will Howard or won't Howard? That's a little bit of a tough question for me to answer because I think he will be a nice quarterback for K-State. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what uh, K-State's quarterback quarterback room is going to look like here uh, over the next two to three years. Um, of course, Will Howard uh, in there now as, as, a, as a true freshman. But then again, I mean, you have to think about it too. Does Skylar Thompson maybe come back for another year after this year? That's an option that, you know, has 
is now available, is now on the table uh, for, um, for Thompson. Uh, of course, too, um, the much ballyhooed uh, recruit out of uh, the Rocky Mountain State, Jake Rubley, uh, coming into uh, this next recruiting class. There's some serious talent in this, in this uh, recruiting class, um, so you never know exactly what's going to, or well, not only just this recruiting class, but at the quarterback position uh, for future years. So, you know, you have to really think that the quarterback position is going to be one that, you know, at, at, any, at any school, much less K-State, but it's the most important position on the field. K-State has some good options, I feel like, going forward. And this is probably the best I felt about what uh, K-State's recruiting situation is at the quarterback position in some time. So I think Will Howard might have a little bit of a tough um, debut start. Uh, on the road this week against TCU, but maybe not. But maybe not. Uh, I do. I am high on his future. Uh, Tyler H has a uh, second question, and uh, he says, "Gambling question for the icon at plus nine is K State the lock of the century." Now, well, based on your uh, based on your prediction earlier, I'd say uh, that's that's a no. I would say that's a no. I, I think K State is certainly. It w- would it surprise me if K State. Uh, covered a nine point spread? No, not at all. I think it's it's. Uh, I think the number's about right in terms of a lock, though. I think it's far from it. Uh, next question. Uh, next pair of questions comes from listener Vern at ca underscore waffles. Vern always does a nice job. He's a friend of the show. Uh, Vern asks, who can bench press more uh, between the two of you? You know, I haven't repped out uh, any bench press sets in some time, and that's that's a bad job by me. Yeah. I mean, that, well, and you know I bench every day. Yeah, what are, what are you up to? Uh, just for a one rep max? Oh, well, gosh. I mean, probably I've been working pretty hard at probably 115, 120. Okay. That's not bad. It's <laughs> not bad. That's not bad. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's really actually really good. Um, you know, I think I might be able to one-up you there a little bit, but I haven't lifted in so long. Back in the day, I was able to rep out about 150, 165. Yeah, but now you're kind of like a pencil-neck yeah, geek. Yeah, I, I am, kind of. But hold on to that pencil-neck comment, because I think there might be another question here uh, from uh, from our, our, our main man, Vern. That's right, and we are here uh, doing an Ask the Icon segment, and Vern has a, a next uh, a next question that uh, the Icon reference. Vern asks, what is the next size of your dress shirts? It's a, it's a good question. It's a great question. And I'm in a 17 and a half. Wow. For, for a neck size. And it's been widely publicized, I think widely believed, that how you determine athletic ability is by the thickness of one's neck. Yeah. If, well, and that's something coaches do a lot on the recruiting trail when they're out kind of evaluating a prospect. They'll bring the tape measure out and, and go... <laughs> Go right up and wrap it around yeah. a, a All right, let me see this thing. junior in high school's neck and, and determine, oh, man, you're only at 18 and a half. That's, that's not going to cut it for a fullback. Um, but if, if you're out there, 20-plus is kind of the magic number. For <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, no question about it. The bigger the neck, the better. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we, uh, you know, we love to see that. Yeah, the, uh, the neck uh, metric is something that, you know, not a lot of people talk about, but it's definitely going on behind the scenes, and so uh, that's that's a good point by uh, Vern. And uh, we'll move on. 
to our last question of the week, which comes from listener Nordy underscore Jelson at Nordy Jelson. He asks, how loose exactly is the deuce? Quite loose. He has uh, been a thorn in the side for defensive coordinators of Oklahoma and Texas Tech so far in the early uh, part of the conference season, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So those headaches are going to continue uh, for defensive coordinators. I'll be interested to see as more tape gets out on what uh, the kind of playmaker that Deuce Vaughn is and how K-State likes to utilize him, what adjustments get made, because those adjustments will take place. However, um, as of now, showing no signs of slowing down. Well, yeah, and what will be fun to watch moving forward is how uh, Mess tries to kind of adjust to those adjustments, so mm-hmm. to speak. Because you're going to have – eventually Josh Youngblood's got to get back on the field and start making an impact. That I think that's a given. He had a stellar uh, year last year, mostly on kickoff return, but also got involved in the offense uh, a little bit, especially later on in the season. And once you have Youngblood and Deuce on the field, then it's just – it complicates things that much more. Um, and running out of diamond formation, uh, obviously Harry Trotter is not going to be uh, putting fear in the defensive coordinators, but a guy like Jardia Wright might be moving forward. Some of these other running backs K-State have, uh, guys like Irvin, for instance, um, and, and Thomas Grayson or, or whoever uh, moving forward um, is, is going to be a problem. And so, you know, you have Deuce that the defense coordinators are certainly going to become aware of. But then there's some other guys in this offense that can do similar things to Deuce that's going to kind of compound the problem for defense coordinators. Yep, I think that's really well uh, really well said there. And it, it's going to be the fun part of watching uh, not only this team throughout the rest of the 2020 season, uh, but beyond. So a lot to look forward to uh, for K-State uh, as – you know some of the best uh, best contributors so far, and some of the biggest contributions that have been made to this team uh, so far from the playmakers have come from playmakers that are getting their first real meaningful action, and and you can see a lot of potential uh, with those guys. So lots to look forward to. That's right. And before we step away, I, I just want to mention I know we both picked K State to lose, but I did have a dream last night that K State won the game against TCU this weekend. So did you have a score? No, but I do know that I, I remember thinking, "Wow, I can't believe K State won this game. We were down, we were nine point underdogs, and we found a way to win again." So, I, I don't know if that's if that's if I have some kind of premonition. I will say that the last dream I had about K State football winning was against KU last year, and we ended up winning that one uh, by a healthy margin. So, just something to keep an eye on uh, for those that. trying to make decide what what side of the line they want to come on, or even if they want to sprinkle some on the money line. Uh, you know, I, it, take it for what it's worth. I, I'm not saying that that means 100% we're going to win, but it, pro- probably not a bad sign. This would have been good good information to have known before uh, Tyler's question about uh, if if K State plus nine is the lock of the century. Well, and I don't want to tell our listeners that you have to go out and put a lot of money on K State because of this, but but you're kind of you're kind of telling them to do that right now a little bit. I just, I just think it might be something to keep in mind. Uh, I don't know if anybody has had any different dreams or maybe TCU fans are, are dreaming otherwise, but 
I don't know. Yeah, tell us about your dreams next time here on the short side option. Hey, yeah. we'd like to break well, them down. If, maybe if K State wins, well, it'll be something to keep in mind because it doesn't happen every week, but it happens it, a couple times, maybe once or twice a season. Something to, something Some, to, something to consider. Something to th- Again, I don't put a bunch of stock in it, but just take it for what it's worth. It, it who knows? Who knows? Well, uh, big game for K State. If they could win this game against TCU, it would really. Yeah, I mean, it would really put them in a great position uh, to be in the top two uh, as we make our way through the end of the season. Lots of football left to go, of course, but getting out to a 3-0 and conference start would be something I don't think many K-State fans, uh, especially after the loss to Arkansas State, thought we'd be in the position of. But it's certainly out there, and it's certainly um, available for K-State for the taking. So be very interested to see, very much looking forward to the game on Saturday. That's right. It, it should be a good one. Um, and if for no other reason, come out and keep an eye on uh, see how Will Howard does because, uh, you know, if things go well on Saturday, this could be his offense for the next four or five years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that does it here for us on the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, D-Lou, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Nope. I just want to uh, mention to our listeners and remind them that I, I, I love them. You truly do. Mm-hmm. You truly do. And you know, I love you guys all too, uh, and gals. You know, we we have a very diverse audience of, um, of podcast listeners, and we love each and every one of you. So, thank you for turning in to the Short Side Option Podcast. That'll do it here for the Icon and Delo this week. We'll be back next week to uh, preview. Well, actually, we have a little bit of a bye week, but we'll come to you anyway. Yeah. Uh, as uh, as K State uh, does their next game at home against the hated KU Jayhawks. That's right. So lots to look forward to here on the Short Side Option, and we look forward to bringing it to you uh, for the Icon and for d signing off on the Short Side Option.